empty phrase and treasures that fade never enough. And you came along. You came along. You put me back together. Now every desire is now satisfied. All right. Well, good morning, Southview. How are we doing? Excellent. Excellent. Glad to have you with us here today. If you're a guest with us, welcome. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. And it's so great to have you with us worshiping the Lord together. If you are a guest, we would love to connect with you. And the best and easiest way we can do that is you just grab your cell phone right now and text the word CONNECT to our number, 910424. 1298, just text connect, hit send, we'll shoot you a link, tap on that, answer a couple of quick questions just so we can know that you are here. We can pray for you, minister to you in the best way possible. We would love that because, again, we are so excited that you're here worshiping with us today. But for everyone, uh, before we get started in worshiping together, I've got three big announcements for you. Uh, Three big things we want you to know as to what's going on here uh, at Southview and how you can be plugged in and engaged. Number one... Men's and Women's Ministries. We've got a couple of big things coming up for us. Uh, October 2nd, it's a big day. It's a Saturday. We have something for our guys and our ladies. For our ladies, we're having a Priscilla Shire simulcast here 
pretty much all day. Uh, you can text BEYOND to sign up for that. Just text the word BEYOND. That's the name of the event. We'll sign you up for that. For guys, we're having a golf outing on the 2nd. All right, October 2nd, going to go play some golf. If you want to sign up for that, just text the word GOLF. We'll get you signed up there. Uh, we have limited spots, and so if you're interested in doing that, please go ahead and sign up so your spot doesn't get taken. And then also, on that day, October 2nd, we are going to provide child care for any families that need that. Uh, so if you need child care, you can designate that uh, as well, and we'd love to help you with that. And also, for our guys, we're having a retreat October 22nd through the 24th uh, at Fort Caswell. We already got a great group of guys signed up, ready to go, but we have some spots available. Uh, guys, just text RETREAT to sign up for that. going to be a great weekend just to get together, hang out with one another, spend some time together, hear from the Lord. Uh, so October 22nd to the 24th, just text RETREAT to sign up for that. Next, Thanksgiving food drive. Can you believe it's time to say the word Thanksgiving? It's getting close. We're in the Burr months, which I love. September, October, November, December. They're my favorite months. We're in the Burr months. And so we're getting ready for our Thanksgiving food drive. We do this every year. Put together baskets uh, to be able to give to families who are in need here at Thanksgiving. And so if you're interested in that, you can go right out this door. There's a table uh, to your left as you leave here. That's going to give you some information as to what you need. You just take that. Um, you can get you a, a, a bag. Fill it up. Uh, so you make sure you check all your stuff off and know that you have it, and then bring that back into us here uh, in the next week or so. That would be great, so we can do that uh, to be able to provide for families that are in need. And then last, core Christianity. Starting October 3rd, we're going to start um, a new core Christianity class. This class just basically covers the basics of what it means to be a Christian, and this class is for everyone, right? If you're not a Christian and you're trying to think through this thing, if you're a new Christian and you're trying to learn what it means to be a Christian, or if you've been a Christian for years, this is a class I would love to be a part of. Uh, it's just a chance to gather with people and hear fresh the good news of Jesus Christ and how he makes us new and what this means for us as Christians. And so if you want to sign up for that, just text CORE to 910-424-1298. Sign up for that. That's going to run for 10 weeks starting October 3rd during the 930 hour. Uh, so sign up for that. Uh, uh, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful class. Uh, I can't encourage it to you more highly. And then for every other announcement that we have, you can download our app, uh, Southview Baptist Church app, iTunes or Google Play. Through that, you can find a journey group, which we encourage you to be a part of. You can find out all the other events we have going on, sign up for any events. You can give through the app. There are two ways to give. Uh, you can give through the app online, or you can give at our giving boxes as you leave. Um, we're about 50-50 as a church, about half give online and about half give um, in person in the giving boxes. So whatever works best for you, you can go ahead and do that, but you can download the app to give that way uh, if you would like. Uh, and, and so to stay connected and plugged in with all that we have here, be sure to download that app. So as we worship together, I want to read a scripture to you. I think this fits so perfectly in us gathering together today. It's Philippians, um, and it says, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. This is the Apostle Paul. So he's writing the, uh, to his church in, in Philippi, the Philippian Christians, and he's in jail, right? He's in jail in Rome, 
and he has no idea what's going to happen. And so if you go through Philippians chapter 1, that's the passage where he's talking about, you know, do I live? Do I die? Do I go see Jesus? Do I stay here with you? I don't know which one. What should I do? Like it was his choice, obviously. But I love that passage in Philippians 1. He's talking about being delivered, whether being delivered physically on earth and getting out of prison or being delivered spiritually and getting to go to heaven and be with Jesus, however it happened. I want you to focus on this. Here's the important part for us. What the Apostle Paul said was the prayers of his church, the love of his church, the encouragement of his church is what he knew was going to help drive him forward to whatever God has next for him. Ladies and gentlemen, we say this all the time and we're going to keep saying it because it means that much. Being a part of a church is way more than just sitting in this room for an hour or so a week. It is about being connected with the body here and believing and knowing that as we're connected with one another, that connection does something powerful in us and points us to Jesus in a great and grand and glorious way. And that allows us to trust him and walk in him and grow in him. We need one another. You cannot, you cannot truly effectively grow in the Christian life without brothers and sisters in Christ intimately and deeply connected with you. So... For us as we worship here today, yes, you're sitting there and it's you listening and you singing and you praying, all that's true. But I want to encourage you, let's also engage with one another. As we're singing, if God brings someone to your mind, go over and talk to them and encourage them. Pray with them, share a scripture with them, whatever that is. If God puts someone on your heart, you want to bring them forward and pray. If God puts someone on your heart that isn't here, you just want to come and pray for them. Let's take this time to not just you individually do your worship thing, but we're coming together as one. Let's worship together as a body and see God do a powerful thing in us. So Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you make us a body. You bring us together as a body. You do this wonderful, glorious work in us as a whole. It is not about just me coming to know you and growing in you. You save us, yes, out of sin, but you save us into something. You save us into your family. And that gets played out right here in this room, with this church. I pray, God, for us here this morning. God, that we would, yes, individually seek and pursue you, but God, broader than that, we would seek to care for and love and minister and engage with and pray for those around us who we would think bigger than ourselves. And as we minister to one another, we will see you do great and amazing things in us for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Do something in us now. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. morning church. I want to invite you to stand with us as we sing God's praises. He is holy and he is worthy. Who he calls us to be. Redeemed. Forgiven. Let's give him glory today.
who is like you majestic in holiness awesome and glorious deeds doing wonders there is none holy like the Lord it says church for there is none besides you there is no rock like our God and because that's true we follow with the psalmist we rejoice in the Lord he says rejoice in the Lord O you righteous and give thanks to his holy name we thank him for his his graciousness his mercy hope in Christ that we are hidden in Christ we thank him for salvation through Christ and that we can stand before a holy God and we can sing and we can celebrate these truths and we can live them out isn't that amazing and so we're going to do that today we're going to continue we're going to learn a new song it's called echo holy and the whole premise is that we just our lives reflect the holiness of God our lives reflect the hope that we have in Christ our lives reflect the spirit moving in and through us to change us for his name's sake and this is why we sing this is why we gather to praise our Lord Jesus in his name alone let's sing Gathered at the highest throne, welcome. 
seat guys as we're as we're thinking about the dominion and power of God I, I want to guide us into a time of prayer I want us to focus in on that dominion and that power and that authority he has over you and your hearts um, I want to read a scripture to us to guide a little prayer time for us. Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24 it says Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says that we should pray, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And in order for, for us to really engage the Lord in Him forgiving our sins, what we see here in Psalm 139 is extremely important. We have to set ourselves before the Lord and say, God, I trust you. Search me. And it's important that we have God search us and not us search us because um, the Bible will also say that your own heart will lie to you, right? You, you have a tendency, and I do as well, to think we're much better than we really are. And so we have to say, Lord, you search my heart. You seek me out. You know me better than I know me. You see if there's any grievous, sinful way in me, and then lead me out of that and into the way everlasting. I want to encourage you to bow your heads for me. And, and as we, we do this, I want to encourage you in two things. One, I think this needs to be a regular part of just your prayer time, of time with the Lord, of just sitting before the Lord and say, Okay, God, Holy Spirit, Search my heart. Is there anything in me that's wrong? Anything in me that needs to be confessed? Anything in me that I need to make right with someone else? And then also for us, as we're about to jump into God's word together, it's extremely important for us to take just a moment and say, all right, Lord, search my heart and make sure I'm ready to hear from you truly and fully. Is there anything blocking that? Anything messing with that? Anything hindering that? You search my heart, Lord. I want to encourage you. God can be trusted with you and your sin. God can be trusted. You don't run away from him when you've done bad because he might you know, punish you or whatever. You run to him when you realize you've sinned because you know he is gracious and kind and has already poured the punishment out on Jesus on the cross and he just wants to cover you with grace and love and do a powerful work in you and set you free from that sin. Say right now, Lord God, search my heart. Is there anything sinful in me? Is there a sin that you have just been glossing over, minimizing? Is there a relationship that's messed up and you've just allowed it to stay that way? 
there forgiveness that you need to give? Is there forgiveness you need to ask for? Is there bitterness that needs to be confessed and rooted out of your heart? you've been lukewarm towards the things of God is the equivalent of your Christian life just making it from Sunday to Sunday and the time in the middle there really has very little pursuit of the Lord or his heart this or anything else wells up in you I encourage you today confess that to the Lord thank him for his grace and forgiveness thank him that that was nailed on the cross with Jesus and that that doesn't have to be in you any longer and you get to walk in your freedom from that and say Jesus Christ let me walk in the freedom that you have given me Lord God I pray for us here this morning God that we would be a people of confession and repentance because we just See how great and amazing you are. The reason we confess and we repent of sin is because we see how glorious and amazing and beautiful you are. We want more of you. And so we freely knock off anything in our lives that does not bring you glory and honor. Anything that hinders us. Any weight that so easily holds us down and entangles us. We gladly want to set that free from us because we just want you even more and more and more. So I pray, Lord, that you would create in us a heart of a people quick to confess and repent. I pray, God, that you would create in us uh, just this sitting before you where we're saying, Lord, search my heart. Show me anything in me that does not bring you glory and honor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your new life. Thank you that in this room right now, people, as we confess our sins and we understand how gracious and kind and loving and forgiving God is and how Jesus has taken all of that, as we confess our sin, it makes us full of joy, not regret. It makes us excited, not depressed because we know that you have done this work in us. I pray, God, that this is our heart, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you, Lord. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, if you got a Bible, we're going to find Galatians chapter 1 together, all right? Galatians 1. So we began last week looking at the book of Galatians. We're going to spend a couple months walking through that together. Last week in the beginning, Galatians chapter 1, we just laid out what the gospel is, right? We said that the gospel is that we are born far from God, um, uh, uh, rebels against God, uh, 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 running away from God, haters of God, the Bible would even say. But God sent his son Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sin, to take that away and to make us right with him. And if we, if we change that, if we alter that, if we monkey with that in any way, we just ruin the whole thing. So today what we're going to do, we'll see what the gospel is. Today what we're going to do is ask, okay, how does the gospel change us? So, so let's be honest. Every single one of us knows that something about us needs to change. Right? That's not up for debate. 
Every person in this room knows that there's something in you that you wish was different, you wish was changed, you wish you didn't do that anymore, you wish you would do that better. Every single person in this room. That's why we gravitate to New Year's resolutions, right? This is the year. New year, new me. This is it. Right? This is the year I'm going to lose that weight or get out of debt or start school back. This is the year I'm going to do it. We're, we're gravitating to that. This is why the self-help industry currently makes around $10 billion a year. And it's projected that by the year 2025, they'll make around $14 billion a year. We go after these things because innately inside of us, we know there's something about me that I wish was different. I wish was changed. I wish was better. That we know we need to change isn't up for debate. The question is, how do we do it? And the problem is, usually the things that we go to to try to help us change don't work. Like New Year's resolutions don't work. Can we agree? Right? You're like, okay, this is the year. I'm going to quit smoking and lose weight and clean up my language. Right? And by January 10th, you've gained 20 pounds, you're smoking two packs a day, you're cussing out grandma. Like, it's just, it's going bad. In fact, I would even submit the reason why the the self-help industry makes billions of dollars a year is not because it's so good that people are just just chomping at the bit to get the latest self-help technique. I would submit the reason that it's projected to make $14 billion a year by the year 2025 is because it doesn't work and it makes all that money off your repeat business. Right? That book didn't work, so let me read this one. That podcast didn't work, so let me subscribe to this one. That conference didn't work, so let me go to this one. By the way, that's also why the drug and alcohol rehab industry makes $42 billion a year. Not because they're so good, but because the, re- the, the, the repeat rate is astronomical. If you or someone you know has struggled with drugs and alcohol to the point of having to go to rehab, more than likely, that was not a one-time gig. That's once, twice, three, four plus times. The reason they're making $42 billion a year is not because they're so amazing. People are beating down the door to get there. It's because the same people have gone through it four times. That you need to change isn't up for debate. The fact that everything this world tells you is going to help you change fails miserably. So what we're going to see today is what does lead us to change? What does what does cause me? What can I lean on? What can I go after that will cause change to happen in my life? Spoiler alert, if you didn't know this coming in, the answer to that is going to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? If, if that takes you by surprise, then I don't know what you thought you were coming into right now. So in order for us to kind of, again, get on the same page, we're going to do this every week. We just want to do a quick, very simple 30,000-foot view of what the gospel is so that we're kind of all on the same page. Okay, so we're going to read this together, everyone out loud together. The count of three. One, two, three. The gospel is right standing with God that is bought by Jesus on the cross, and it is enjoyed only by faith in his work. Anything added to the gospel ruins it, and you miss Jesus. So this is the gospel. 
And what we're going to see today is that how that gospel allows us, empowers us to change. To literally be different. And how we're going to see that today in Galatians chapter 1 is by the Apostle Paul sharing his testimony. So he shares his testimony here in Galatians chapter 1, and he uses that as a way of explaining how the power of the gospel changed him and can also change you. And I love this. Testimonies are so beautiful and powerful. Listen, when you're trying to share the gospel with someone, they can debate with you creation. They can debate with you the virgin birth. They can debate with you the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. They can disagree on that and debate on that and say you're wrong. You know what they can't tell you you're wrong about? The fact that your life is now different and Jesus is the one who did it. Like they can't debate. They may try to hold you to your past. They may try to, to, to say, well, yeah, 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 but it's not going to last. I know, you'll be, I know you'll be back around. Right? They may do that. But the fact that something in you is now different and you're saying Jesus is the one who did it, they can't debate that. So this is what the Apostle Paul starts with. You want to know how the gospel changes people? Let me show you how it changed me. So let's jump in together. We're going to pick it up. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. All right? Galatians 1, verse 11. And our first big idea is you are changed by the gospel of God, not man. You are changed by the gospel of God, not man. So pick it up in verse 11, Galatians 1. For I would have you know, brothers... That the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. All right, so the, the big pushback on Paul was that he learned the gospel from the apostles in Jerusalem. And then when he left the apostles in Jerusalem, he changed it up a little bit to be a little more palatable for non-Jews. Right? So he went to Jerusalem, and the apostles there said, all right, here's the deal, man. Yes, believe by faith in Jesus Christ, but also you've got to make sure they obey all the dietary laws, and they get circumcised, right? No bacon and get circumcised. They've got to do that and believe in Jesus, and then they're going to be okay. That's what they say the apostles taught him. But then when he got away from there and got around Gentiles, he's like, I don't think this is going to play very well. I mean, these people love a bacon sandwich, and I don't think the dudes are going to be in them, right? So I'm going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch this up just a touch. And, and so what he's pushing back on that is saying, no, 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 no. That didn't happen. No one taught this to me. No one um, explained this to me. No one set me down and set me straight. That is not what happened. God supernaturally saved me, and then God supernaturally put the truth in my heart and then sent me off to go tell other people about it. This was God's gospel, not man's gospel. Now, here's what that means for us. Ready? This is extremely important. Same thing for us. It is the gospel of God in Jesus Christ that will change you, not man's gospel. Now, what is man's gospel for us? Man's gospel for us would be anything that we do, we come up with, we create, our best efforts, our best work to try to strive into being better. Again, Exhibit A, New Year's resolutions, self-help, all those sorts of things. Anything that we can come up with, plan, strategy, idea, 
best effort, strong will, whatever we can do to try to change ourselves and make ourselves better. That's man's gospel. And what you're going to see here, the Apostle Paul is saying, that isn't going to work. Man's gospel is not given by God, and it cannot change you. Only the gospel given to us by God himself, that Jesus Christ is the one who saves us, makes us new, and empowers us. That is the only thing that's going to change you. So here's what this means for us. Here's where the rubber meets the road for us. Are you ready? How are you going to change? How are things really going to be changed and shifted in your life? A, stop thinking you can do it. You can't. You can't. Here's a great verse. It's not on the screen, but you need to write it down. John 6, 63. Write that verse down, read it this week, memorize it, meditate on it, tattoo it somewhere on your body, like whatever. John 6, 63, it says, It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh is no help at all. It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh is no help at all. Your flesh, your ideas, your agendas, your plans cannot change you. And it's not going to be the next plan that's the magic one, right? right? To quote Einstein, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over but expecting different results. You've done this over and over and over. The next plan, the next scheme, the next idea isn't going to be what magically clicks. We must, listen to me, we must reject fully and totally any idea that we can change us on our own. You can't. It is just the power of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't change you. You can't fix you. It only can come from him. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. So big idea number one, get it settled into your brains. The only way you're going to experience legitimate life change is if you reject man's gospel that is preached to you a thousand different times in a thousand different ways every single day. Reject that outright. And trust that it's only God and his gospel and his power that's going to do anything. It is the spirit who gives you life. The flesh is no help at all. Second is this. Jump down to verse 13. Second big idea. You are changed by the gospel when you reject your former life. You got to reject the former life. So look at verse 13. For you have heard of my, I love this, underline it, former life. I love that. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. How I, persu- how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own among my people. My own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. So Paul, again, sharing a little bit of a story, a little bit of testimony. So Paul was born Saul. That was the name his parents gave him, Saul. And he grew up 
a very devout Jewish man. In fact, it says that he was advancing beyond the year, beyond anyone else his age. He was head and shoulders above everyone else as a student of the Bible, as a teacher of the Bible, as a leader of the Jewish faith. But as he saw this sect, this group called the Way, rising up and leading people to follow Jesus as the Messiah, he was enraged to the point of violently persecuting and even killing those who dare follow. But if you remember the story in Acts chapter 9, God comes and knocks Saul off his horse and blinds him and saves him right there miraculously. And now what used to be his life has now become his former life. That used to be who I am. That used to be what I do. But now I have a former life. If you're going to be changed, you must know indeed that everything from your past was your former life and you are a brand new creation now. You are new. If you believe my faith in Jesus Christ, you are new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the old is gone. It is your former life. The brand new has come. You're never, ever, ever going to see genuine, lasting change if you still think that is who you are. It is not who you are. You're different. You are brand new now. Paul says, that was my former life. And I love Paul, such a great case study in this because In one person, he has two extremes, right? So look again at how he describes himself. Verse 13, for you've heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So in Paul, you have this unbelievable example of someone who was Goody two-shoes, absolutely perfect, obeyed all the rules, did everything right, and at the same time was a vile murderer. And so the great thing about Paul is no matter where you are on the spectrum, Paul's a great excuse buster. Right? If you were to say, you know, you come in here today, man, and you got all your Awana badges and your Sunday school pins and WWJD bracelets up to your shoulder... Like, I got perfect attendance my entire life. Always, I've never missed a Sunday. I'm 112. I've never missed a Sunday. The Apostle Paul comes in and says, that's awesome. So um, I have the first five books of the Bible memorized. I am blameless before the law. And I'm excelling every one of you. And I knew that I needed Jesus, and that wasn't good enough. I couldn't. No matter how good I was, I was never going to be good enough. I needed Jesus. Or you come in here today and you go, you don't understand. I, I'm a bad person. I have done things. I have been places. I, I, if you knew who I really was and the life that I'm living and what I'm going through right now, you would never want me in this room. You don't understand. And Paul's like, oh, wow, that sounds intense. So would you kill someone? kill someone. Are you crazy? No. Oh, because I did. Did you, did you drag people off the streets, throw them in prison, and torture them? Are you crazy? No, no, you're insane. I've not done that. Oh, I did. Right? He's the, he's the great excuse breaker. Right? It's like, no, no, no. I can't come to Jesus. I'm too bad. Paul's like, beat you. 
I don't need to come to Jesus. I'm really, really, really good all on my own. Paul's like, beat you? He's this perfect person that says, hey, listen, I was blameless and vile all at the same time. So there's no one on earth that now has an excuse. But in all of that, this was a former life. It's what he used to be. And you also see with Paul, this is, I don't know if you've caught this. This is amazing. So if you look at like verse 14. So he already talked about how he was violently um, uh, persecuting the church. And he says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Here's what Paul did. And this is crazy. Paul was so zealous to defend the law of God that he was breaking the law of God. Right? He was so intent on protecting God's word that he broke God's word. He was so adamant about making sure these people obeyed God that he killed them if they didn't. So here's what we see with Paul. Are you ready? Legalism. Legalism makes you hyper aware of everyone else's faults and completely blind to your own. Have you met this guy? Completely hyper aware of everyone's faults and failures. Totally blind to anything that they got going on in their own life. We see this all the time in marriage counseling. My spouse needs to change. My spouse needs to change. My spouse needs to change. Okay, I hear you. Yeah, they definitely have major issues. There's no doubt about that. Um, so can we chat about you just for a second? Okay, you, you, you're right. I know I'm not perfect. I know I've got things to work on. You're right. It takes two. I'm with, I know, I know. But if they would just change, if they would, then I'd really think everything would be better. You see it in churches, right? If you've been in church for longer than 10 minutes, you've seen this. Something happens that someone doesn't like, a decision made that someone doesn't like. Something happens to hurt someone's feelings. And so what do they do? You see them walking around, pulling people off in the hallway. Phone calls. Prayer request text messages. Can you believe that? Did you hear that? We've got to fix that. What's wrong with that? What's up? And they would say that they're doing that because they care so deeply about their church and they're blind to the fact that in their zeal to care for their church, they're actually destroying their church. Legalism, what we see from the Apostle Paul, it causes you to be hypercritical of everyone else and completely blind to you. But what we also see with Paul in this verses 13 and 14 is all that was his former life, he's now different. He's now changed. He's now new. So here it is. Are you ready? If you are going to experience a true, legitimate, changed life, if you're going to see change transpire in your life, you must, when you believe by faith in Jesus, if you have trusted Christ to save you from your sin, to come into your heart, to make you new, whatever it is you want to say that, however it is you want to say it, he's called you to be born again. When that happens... All the stuff from your past is now your former life. It's gone. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm now a new creature in Christ. The old is 
gone. Behold, all the new things have come. If you're going to grow, if you're going to mature, if you're going to change, you must believe by faith that you are new. Even if you don't feel new, even if you don't always act new, you must believe by faith that you are new. Your former life is your former life. I used to be, 1 Corinthians 6 says, you used to be this, and you used to be that, and you used to be that, but now you're washed, now you're clean, now you're sanctified, now you're justified, now you're new. If you keep living, thinking in your heart that the past is still what you are, you're never going to grow beyond that. You are new. You are changed. You are different. You're different now. you got to believe that by faith. Even if you don't feel it, you have to believe it by faith. This is what God's word says about me. This is who I am. Do you believe? By faith. You are a brand new person. Yeah, 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 I used to, but that's my former life. That's not who I am. Yeah, 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 I, that's true. But that's not who I am anymore. That's my former life. That's not who I am. If you're going to change now and in the future, you must believe by faith that that former is truly a former. You're brand new. And then look at this next part. Verses 15 through 17. You are changed by the gospel when you give yourself to his grace. Look at verse 15. But when he had set me apart before I was born... And who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So what's happening here is, the, again, the push is, was, okay, okay, but when he got saved, and then, again, he went to, um, to the apostles and got straightened out by them and made sure everything was good, and then he went off into his ministry, and he says, no, 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 that didn't, that didn't happen at all. God saved me, and then I went off to Arabia for three years, was personally discipled by Jesus, and then I started my ministry. But let's jump back up into verse 15, because I don't want to gloss over something. We've got to unpack this for a second. Look at verse 15. But when he, that's God, who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. So I don't know if you're tracking, but let's see if we can get together on this. Paul just said God called him for salvation before he was even born. Then Paul was born, grew up, and was a wicked murderer. And then at some point in time, when the time was right, God revealed Jesus to him, bringing faith into his heart, making him new, and calling him to ministry. What I want you to see, and again, I know... All kinds of questions stir up about this, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean by that? How does God do that? And what does that mean about free will? And how does that God call but not do violence to free will and not make us a bunch of robots? And what does that mean? And how do you live that out? I don't understand. What do you do? Help me, pastor. And I can. 
It's very easy. I have a very simple answer to explain all of this. I don't know. How is it that God called Paul to salvation before he was even born, allowed Paul to live years of wickedness, and then one day on a road to Damascus, reveal Jesus to him and make him new? How does that work? I don't know. But what I want you to see, and here's the important part for us, as you look at verse 15, when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. The big idea I want you to get from all of this is this. God saves in such a way where only he gets the glory, not you. That's the point. Paul was called before he ever did anything good or bad. And then after he did a whole bunch of bad stuff, God still revealed Jesus to him when the time was right. He did it in such a way where it had nothing to do with Paul. And that's the point. If you're going to really experience change in your life, you have to give yourself to the fact that every single ounce of this is just God's grace. He saved you, and you brought nothing good to the table. He changes you, and you still bring nothing good to the table. He just does it as an act of his grace. This is the point. God sets all of this up in such a way where all we could do is just say, Thank you, God, for your grace. Lavish even more on me. I'll take everything you got. I can do nothing on my own, nothing in my own ability, nothing in my own strength. I just need you. And I love Paul. So after God does all of this, he doesn't, again, go running up to Jerusalem to check out the apostles and make sure everything's good. He vanishes off to Arabia and just spends three years along with Jesus. What you see in all of this is if God is the one who saved you by grace and God is the one who grows you by grace and God is the one who changes you by grace, what other people think about you isn't nearly as important as you think it is. Paul was like, God saved me by grace. And listen, You can like me or not like me. You can believe me or not believe me. You can be my friend or think that I'm the worst person on earth. I don't really care. God just did something awesome, so I'm going to go over here for a few years and just hang out with Jesus. See ya. He is literally not concerned at all. The reason you struggle to change so much is because you think you still have to convince everyone that it's happening in you. No, 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 look what God's doing. Let me post it on Instagram. I did a Bible study today. That's awesome. That's great. I'm so glad it's on your Instagram post. Is it in your heart? I'm not sure. Paul just went off by himself for a few years. Just spent time alone with Jesus. God saved him by grace. He was changed by grace. And he just went off just to dive as deep into the grace pool as he possibly can and didn't care what anybody else thought about it. He just wanted to be with the only one he knew that could truly change him. And that was Jesus. So he just kept running more and more and more after Jesus. Is that making sense? So how do we do all this? Let's let's, let's just stop for a second, hit pause, let's bring it together and see if we can kind of put some practical handrails on this thing, okay? So 
We're saved by God's gospel, not man's gospel. Um, we're changed by God's gospel, not man's gospel. We're changed by, by having a former life, right, by being changed by him and realizing that that life really is in the past. It's not who I am anymore. I am different. I am changed. I am new. And we're changed by understanding that it's the grace of God on me that's doing this. So I just want to chase after Jesus and pursue as much grace as possible and go after him because it's ultimately God and his grace that's doing all of this and not me. So how does this change us? Um, a, a good friend of mine and a mentor, a guy named uh, Mark Malding, uh, Mark's done a, uh, just a remarkable job just in encouraging me and discipling me over the years. And I heard Mark tell a great story that I think explains this. So Mark has adult kids now, um, but when his sons were younger, he said that they caught one of their teenage sons looking at pornography on the internet. Uh, and so they set the son down and talked with him. And immediately the son was like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I knew that it was wrong, and I knew that I shouldn't, and I just, I felt so bad, and I knew as a Christian I shouldn't do it, and I don't know what to do, and I tried hard not to, and I made all these rules, and made all these plans, and made all these promises, and I just kept messing up. And what was happening was, this young man was trying to see change in his life based off fear, guilt, and habit. Right? Fear. If my parents catch me, they're going to kill me. I'm not going to, I'm never doing that again. Guilt. Christians shouldn't do this. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be doing Never doing that again. Habit. Okay, okay. If I can make myself not do it for a week, I'm going to get into a habit, and then I'm going to be good. And none of it worked. So Mark sat down with the son and said, okay. Um, are you a Christian? The young man said, yeah, Dad, you know I am. Okay, so you've, you've given your life to Christ. Yes. You, you've been changed by Jesus. Yes. Jesus now lives inside of you, and his life is in you. Yes. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Next time that you're met with that temptation, here's how I want you to handle that. I don't want you to say, oh, no, I'm going to get in trouble if I get caught, or, oh, no, a uh, good Christian shouldn't do this, or if I can just make it one more day, then maybe this. What I want you to do, Stop right there and say, Jesus, I thank you that I am not this person. I thank you that you have made me holy, you have made me righteous, and you have made me new. My desires for these things are in a former life. That's not who I am anymore. Jesus, I pray you empower me to not pursue this anymore, but to pursue you. You do that. And if you do sin, what I want you to do is this. Say, okay, Jesus, I sinned. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, that is not who I am. Even though I did that thing, that is not who I am. I'm still holy and righteous before you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Empower me to never do that again. I want you to do that. Okay. So then a few weeks later, he sat down with the son for a little check-in. It's all right, son. How are things? And the son dropped his head and said, well, Dad, I, I did it. Okay, well, did, you, did, you, did you pray like I told you to? He said, no, no, I didn't, no, I didn't. He said, okay, let's, let's go over it again. So he went over it again and said, son, this is not about magic incantations or saying the right words. You have been made new in Jesus. You are new in Jesus. Trust my faith in that and live that out. It's okay. 
So then a week or so later, Mark said he's at his office and his phone rings. He picks it up. It's his son. Dad, 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 dad. <laughs> it works. Like, it really works. Like, I know. I know it does. What it was for this young man, he used all the tools that we use all the time. Fear, guilt, and habit. Right? If, if someone finds out, or if this keeps going, or if guilt. It's like, good Christians shouldn't do this. I know that I shouldn't do this. God's so disappointed in me. What if people in church find out? What are they going to think? I can't. No, no, no. Habit. Okay, if I just read my Bible for 21 days, it's going to get locked into my brain. There I go. I'm going to do it. Fear, guilt, and habit. And here's the thing about fear, guilt, and habit. Here's the scary part. You ready? They work for a little bit. Right? Like for a little bit, that works. But it always crashes and burns. The answer for you and I, to truly be changed by Jesus is to understand that we have already been changed by Jesus through faith in him. Like you're already changed. You becoming, you, you changing is not about you trying to do new things. It's about living out the reality of who you already are. This is who you are. You are new. You are different. You have been changed by Jesus. I want to ask our band to come up. And I want to, I want to end our time here. We're going, to, we're going to cut that back section off of chapter 1. And we'll come back and look at that next week. I, I think it's better that we kind of land here and spend some time just for a minute. Um, we all know that there are things in us that need to be changed. We all know this. The question is, how are we changed? How are we changed and how do we walk that out? The answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for you, let me ask you. One, have you truly been changed? Do you have a former life? Have you really been born again? Have you been made new by Jesus Christ. Some of us, you know, one of the things of pastoring a church in the South is uh, I talk to people all the time and say, so are you, are you Christians? Oh, yeah, absolutely, I'm a Christian. Okay, well, tell me, about, tell me about your life in Christ. Well, when I was 11, I asked Jesus into my heart, and I got baptized, and now I attend Southview. Okay, so, so tell me about your life in Christ. I just did. Oh. Okay. My concern for many of us is that the truth is we don't have a former life. For many, the false gospel that you've been believing is that since you asked Jesus into your heart and his grace covers you, you can just keep living however you want to live and God's going to forgive you. And after all, you prayed the prayer, so you're going to go to heaven. You got fire insurance. You're good, right? No, you're not. Like, I, I, I've said this before, and I'm going to continue saying it because it's important that we understand it. You listening? Heaven is not a place for people who are afraid of going to hell. Everyone's afraid of going to hell. That's why telling someone to go there is bad. 
right? That's why you're never going to find that Mother's Day card, right? (laughs) Heaven is not a place for people who are afraid of going to hell. Heaven is a place for people who love Jesus, and the two are very different. You go to heaven when you have met Jesus on earth, been changed by him, and are now in love with him. That's the guy that goes to heaven. Not the one that prayed the prayer in VBS and then lived like a functional atheist the rest of their life. Do you have a former life? If not, I want to encourage you, let today be the day where you do. Today, trust by faith in Jesus Christ that Jesus desires to take away your sin and make you new. Say, Jesus Christ, today, I love you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me new. I need you. Right now, today, do that. And for those of you who are followers of Christ, I want to encourage you as we end our time, our band is going to sing, and we encourage you just to sit and pray and ponder. Let the new life that Jesus Christ has given you be the catalyst that allows you to change. You're going to change because Jesus has done a work in you. Jesus has made you new. Jesus has covered you with his grace. And so you know that and you're living that out by faith. This is who I am And I'm going to keep living out who I am. Jesus, I pray for us today. That the truth of who you are and the new life you give us changes us. For your glory changes. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
As we sing these closing stanzas, I want you to sing it to yourself. I want you to sing it to each other. The truth who God says you are, that you have been changed by Christ, that you are hidden in Christ, that you have been made whole, that you've been made holy, that you are forgiven, beloved, not because of yourself, but because of the work of Christ on the cross. And it's important that we sing this together, that we are encouraged, that we are emboldened to live the faith. So I pray that you would sing this loudly, that you would believe it and you would live it. That's the point, to let Christ work through us. Let's sing. guys leave a couple quick things one our 24-hour prayer uh, meeting is going to be after the 11 o'clock service so you can uh, step out and grab a little bit of uh, if you're in a journey group or whatever and then meet us at 11 o'clock in the multimedia room uh, and we'll see you then about 12 10 all right god bless you guys have a great day